0: Everybody. welcome to At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network podcast. I'm Chase, I'm here with James, as always. Uh, and we don't have that much of a plan for today's show, other than talking Hornets, recent news, games. We've got some trade rumors and proposals to bounce back and forth, a couple other things. But before we get going, James, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fine. As you know, I had my booster yesterday, which I'm very, very happy to get that Moderna booster after my first two Pfizer shots. So that's that's good um feeling up feeling a little bit worse for today but uh i'm i'm feeling on the mend now so that's good but um this is actually our last pod before i will be going at least on a little hiatus um for those who don't know i'm actually going over to the united states for christmas hooray.
0: there we go um We're welcoming james stateside for in a couple absolute, of days. i'm here. bringing
1: all the omicron with me yeah oh yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be waiting for you at the airport
1: yeah uh, no i mean freaking international travel right now we spent over 650 pounds just on tests which we have to oh do before Lord. we leave or when we get back which is like 800 dollars. it's crazy that is quite um, a bit
0: i didn't know it was that much of a half i mean i guess it makes sense that it would be but that's well a lot the us have
1: got rules the uk have got rules so we have to test for everyone for everything it's a yeah a lot of those nightmare. rules
0: probably don't overlap and whatnot to make it even more difficult on everybody trying to go back and forth uh
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, my my for those who don't know, my grandma lives in the States, lives in Alabama. Um, so we're going to go stay in Montgomery, Alabama, deep south. Uh, and then we're going to go hit Gulf Shores, Alabama as well for uh, for a week while we're over. And uh, yeah, she's she's been she lives by herself now. She's been there for like three or four years and we've not been able to see her because of COVID and, and other health complications so we've got everything crossed that no one tests positive no travel rules change nothing nothing bad happens until saturday when we fly so um yeah look at looking forward to it slash dreading the the stress that goes alongside everything but um hey watching watching nba basketball is gonna be a lot easier no more 2am nights i'll be able to actually watch it in the normal time zone
0: yeah, like you'll you'll be at it'll be 7 p.m. and you'll be watching the basketball game instead of having to wait till seven a.m. the next morning or something like that yeah, for like the West Coast game.
1: I just need to figure out how now I can um skulk off away from like my family, you know, and be like, oh, oh yeah. I need to go spend two and a half hours in this other room watching the Hornets. Um I need I'm gonna have to try and figure out how I can do that. with a lot of, you know, Christmas is time for family time, but hey, if I get to watch the Hornets without staying up till half two, like that's a win too. So I've got to take advantage.
0: Oh yeah, you got to work that in there if you can.
1: How about also, you? What are your What are your Christmas plans?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I'm probably just going to go to Rhode Island. Uh, my girlfriend's got some family there. We'll probably be there for a couple of days. And other than that, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hanging up in Maine, Leia. Like, like I I always am up here in the cold. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be a blast, I'm sure.
1: What is an American Christmas? tradition whether it be food or something you do that i'm gonna see when i'm over there like, like i will just have no idea about
0: um well for food i would i think i mean i could be wrong here from like uh just from like experiencing or experiences i've had from my upbringing but i think the traditional meal is like a ham on christmas okay is that something that people in the uk do
1: we not on christmas day we have turkey okay. which i think you have at thanksgiving yes okay um, but we have it like a ham on like christmas eve or something in the uk we call boxing day which is like the day after christmas which is a bank holiday in the uk uh so we have ham around christmas but not on the day itself traditionally
0: okay and what what is boxing day because that uh, we they do that in canada and but they don't do that in america i've I've never is it is it what it sounds like you just open your presents on the day after christmas and like play play with them i guess and do whatnot.
1: So I'm going to be really honest. I've just Googled what Boxing Day means. because okay, pat- me I'm right, glad we're on equal like- footing here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the name comes from a time when the rich used to box up gifts to give to the poor. And Boxing Day was tra- traditionally a day off for servants. Okay. Um, and the day when they received a special Christmas box from their masters. So okay. it's good to know that we celebrate a holiday, which is probably closely lined with slavery and servants right yeah, that still that, yeah everything's got the... such a
0: dark history if you if just you <laughs> just really gotta does. read for like five seconds and then it's gonna be like oh this actually started because of something that was really horrible
1: but um but no have you do you have pigs and blankets is that a thing
0: uh like the little mini hot dogs wrapped in croissants yeah. yes we i love okay. those that's like I, I would say that's probably more of like a like maybe like a football snack or like a tailgating like game watching thing okay. in america than like a uh like a holiday meal. Cause I make those all the time myself. They're delicious for when I'm just like sitting around the house, watching mm. sports in the afternoon.
1: Yeah, no, they are. So no, looking forward to looking forward to the Christmas break. I think over Christmas, you might or might not be doing some pods with some, some previous guests who've been on here. I think you, you mentioned, cause I'm, I'm going to be away till the 4th of Jan. So I'm off for like two and a half to three weeks or so.
0: Yeah. And hopefully while you're soaking up the sun down on the Gulf shores down there, uh, I'll I'll have I'll put out some episodes I'm not sure if it's going to be like with a former guest with a new guest or I, m- I might do like a solo one that's pretty short during like the week of Christmas for something just to tide the listeners over uh, in that week when I assume that most people will probably be pretty 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 busy due to holiday commitments and whatnot but at the hive live will not Uh, be taking another hiatus. I will definitely be holding down the fort uh, in the time that James is on vacation. So I know you all were panicking as soon as James said he was going on vacation, but don't worry. I'm here.
1: Chase got you covered. Anyway, let's, let's move on to Hornets basketball. Um, I think that the last time we spoke was just at the start of the COVID outbreak. I want to say, right. Mm -hmm. Um, A bunch of people had just gone into um, whatever COVID protocols, I think – had had the Hornets played Atlanta yet? I'm trying to think of the date now. Um, I don't think they – I think
0: know. it was uh, between – it might have been between Philly games.
1: Between Philly games. Okay, so, I mean, look, I, I said when when everything went to crap and everyone went into COVID, I said, like, if the Hornets can win one of their next five games, which at the time was Atlanta, Philly twice, Sacramento, Dallas, that would be a win. They won two, right? And I know the Dallas game was pretty brutal from minute one. But brand scheme of things, the Hornets have cobbled this thing together the last five games. And then good news is if you look at all the teams around Charlotte in the last 10 games, you've got Washington four and six, Philadelphia five and five, Miami four and six, Boston four and six, the Hawks five and five, the Raptors five and five, and then the Hornets four and six. So yeah, the Hornets have not been making up the ground that you'd want, but we've been kind of lucky here. Like Miami have been missing people. Um, Washington and some people. Like some of the teams, Boston Atlanta just haven't been playing well. They've not fallen away too far from the pack, which is really big because they're getting the guys back now. But over, over the last week, kind of what's, what's really caught your eye that you want to talk about, whether it's across the games in and in a particular game itself, um, what, what's caught your eye?
0: Well, I think like for myself, and I, I think I probably speak for a fair amount of Hornets fans uh, as well when I say this, is like, the young players performance not not necessarily just JT and James Booknight in the first real nba minutes of their career but like Nick Richards as well was pretty good in the games that he was playing in before i mean what did it, did, him and pj both had a non covid illness that they missed those games right yeah. so the, i mean Cody Horn- Martin
1: had one like a week before or 5 right. days before as well
0: yeah so i mean this is an assumption mostly but the hornets had covid and like you know, just a common cold or whatever, going around the locker yeah. room at the same time, which is not ideal for, for a basketball team, uh, especially in like the middle of the winter when it's cold and you're traveling and whatnot. But I mean, the young players all did like admirably in in uh, relief of the veterans that have been missing. And I mean, we I mentioned on the last pod, the team stylistically looks the same still, like through through these last couple games, they haven't had to change up a ton. And I think like the biggest question is how this affects the rotation when the team is like fully healthy, which Mm. we can assume will be probably the Phoenix game is when every, like all 15 members of the Charlotte Hornets are out of health and safety protocols and also not on the rehab assignments to Greensboro. Cause Ish and Lamelo both got assigned to Greensboro again today on December 15th, Wednesday, when we're recording this. So I don't think that they'll play definitely won't play against San Antonio probably won't play against Portland. That might be, might be pushing it after like 10 plus days off to have like two days of conditioning and come back, but they'll be, they'll have full strength within the next couple of days. And then James Borrego's, uh, he's got himself some decisions to make because he does a lot of fans were life. Myself included. We're kind of like worried about the depth that this team may have, but if JT and book are ready like to play right now, then that's, that's not really a problem anymore. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I think we—I mean, of, of those guys, so like, if I say JT Thor, James Bucknight, um, let's go, let's throw Vernon Carey in there for now, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And he—he he did okay when he started that game as well, which I thought that was a—I I was kind of glad. Did that, he do
1: okay, well, or did he I, get benched I, I, halfway through the game? I mean,
0: well, there was there have been a couple times where Nick has started the game and not uh done like horribly but then not you know not also not gone in for the rest of the game either but i also thought it was just it was weird cool how they went to kai jones the opportunity
1: and, it was just weird how they went to Kai Jones in the that, fourth quarter
0: that was yeah that was out of, like
1: completely nowhere.
0: Yeah yeah and because Kai I mean he hadn't even played in the games really leading up to no. that. So that that well yeah that he's I mean I'm sure I mean Brego was not working with the same tools that he usually was so I'm sure he was doing some stuff on the fly but I, I, I was a little bit confused by that in the moment, but I, I well, thought it was, I was cool saying, that he gave him the opportunity to start, at least.
1: I think he gave him the opportunity. If you look at the box score, 11 minutes, 7 points, 2 offensive rebounds, you think, alright, that's fine, but like, one, 11 minutes, not 1 defensive rebound. Okay, No blocks. Minus 18 in his 11 minutes <laughs> yeah. in that Kings game. So... I, I think he went – I just do not think he felt he could put Vernon Carey back in that game. I mean, the Kings – it was a high-scoring game, 124 to 123 to the Hornets. And I just think he wanted more uh, – you know, someone who could move around more defensively, bring some energy, some intensity. And, like, Vernon Carey, even when he's playing well, you wouldn't describe him as, like, a high-energy impact player generally. Um, yeah, it's just a strange old – situation I mean I I really wonder if Vernon Kerry like we're going to talk about all the the young guys who played I kind of wonder if Vernon Kerry they're just out like is this the moment that they go you know what we've got Nick we've got PJ we've got Mason we've even got Kai now we've got small ball five miles bridges is there need for Vernon Kerry in this roster I, I just think they could be past it you know and I know he's one of the the younger second round picks and they gave him like a quite a you know, expensive four year contracts and he's only into what year?
0: Like one and uh, a half last basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. year and a half in. And because of the draft was a weird time of year, he's only like been a Hornet probably just over a calendar year, but I just don't see it, man. And he's not improving in those areas. So I I wonder if Vernon Carey, that could be the last we see of him this season, unless there's an, you know, another injury crisis.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't really think about like about that. But yeah, you're probably right because now, I mean, now as the team gets healthier, I mean, he's not going to get starting opportunities when when everybody's available. It only happened. I mean, and it only happened when Nick and PJ were also not available. Like there, there's been many times where he, or if Borrego really wanted to, he could have gave him like more opportunity to show show what he's done. But he really hasn't. And then uh, you're uh, you're probably right that that start was kind of like a like a last stand to be like all right man you really you gotta at least show us something like you don't have to come out here and dominate the game but you gotta show us something he didn't go back in at the end of the game I mean 11 minutes is like a a fairly substantial time it's not like he got yanked after three possessions like he did in that Portland game last year but yeah I I, yeah you're probably right the more that I think about it as I'm as I'm talking like they, they especially with how good Nick has been it's not all like all Vernon, because one and a half years or seasons, one actual year, isn't like a long time for most big men to be like developing, or especially when you come into the league as a like a raw prospect that needs to have like to work on their game a little bit before they're NBA ready. But the Hornets have a couple of guys that have stepped up, so it's just uh, just how it goes, I guess.
1: So if if we move on to these other guys, so out of Buck Knight, J T. Thor, which of those two? do you think are kind of are threatening the normal rotation? Because both of those guys were not even touching, you know, the court in the normal rotation. Uh, the normal backup uni included Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, Ish Smith wasn't even on there either. And we, we can even include Ish Smith into this conversation if we want, because he played really well in the one game he did play against Atlanta before he before he went down with COVID as well. Um, you know, which of which of those two guys do you think has the best shot to remain in that rotation? And, and to make it hard for you, like what spot are they taking?
0: Mm. That does make it hard. Mm. Um, see, I'm inclined to say JT just because like we've, we've talked about this and like they, the Hornets need defense. They don't need offense. And book book Knight is like an offensive player. You would say coming off the bench and JT is more of a defensive piece. But when the team is like fully healthy and given how they want to play with using PJ as like a five slash four, more so than a four slash five, I would probably just say book night because I mean, we've seen now like he's we didn't think this at the beginning of the year, but he might be like just all around like about as good of a basketball player as Ish Smith is right now, which is like no, no discredit to Ish Smith. He's a good player, but. Book knight is a little bit more ready to perform than we might have thought he was, or at least been able to see or presume that he was based off of what we'd seen in like the garbage time minutes that he got. So I would probably go with him, but JT, like, if you were just being like, what do the Hornets need? It's probably like a long athletic front court defender, more so than like a, like a six man type scoring punch. But I think Knight probably just has a little bit more going in his favor. And he's, you know, he's the 11th pick as opposed to 37. So there's some some incentive to get him out there.
1: This is the thing that I find difficult because JT Thor, he's essentially up against Jalen McDaniels for those rotation minutes. Right. right? And, I mean, Jalen McDaniels, by the way, 46% from three this year, (laughs) you know, shooting Mm -hmm. well. JT Thor is currently shooting 21% from three. So... I mean, even if you say their defensive impact is similar, which I would, I think I would maybe say at this point, I, I might give JT Thor a bit more of an edge. I, actually, just because I think other players don't like going against JT Thor. I think he's more intimidating on, mm-hmm. on the court. I think he makes impact by just being there because of presence more than McDaniels. But like offensively, there is no question Jalen McDaniels is the better player. He can do a bit with the ball in his hands. He can create his own shot. He's shooting the ball well. I, I think those two are like obvious to go head to head. The problem is with book and I, this thing. Who who's he playing the set of? Is it mm-hmm. Cody? Mind?
0: I feel like is it, it might be Jalen McDaniel's. Regardless, like regardless oh. of the position, you know what I mean? Just because I feel like he's probably the last guy in the rotation right now, and like I feel if you put book in, you can just go a little bigger. Maybe use like Hayward and Ubre more at the four. When like Miles isn't playing or PJ, you maybe use PJ at the four and play Nick a little bit more or something. So I, f- I feel like it is probably Jalen that like gets taken out. Because, I mean, do you think Borre- – I mean, we know Borrego has liked Cody Martin as a player since even since he was a rookie. I don't think he's coming out now with the
1: no. improvements no. he's made as an he's offense. too important he to this team.
0: Yeah, he literally – I mean, he's the-, the best probably defensive player, at least the most intense and, like, ready on a nightly basis. And now he can, like, really shoot the ball, like which is just a completely unforeseen development. So I think it just kind of has to be Jalen by default.
1: So we're we, we're down. So so that second unit, right? Are you are you thinking that Terry Rozier is still the point guard? So it's what Terry, Cody, Buck Knight Ubre, like Nick or PJ? Is that what you're thinking?
0: Yeah, probably. See, I, I think playing like ten or eleven guys might be pretty, like not like beneficial in the terms of like it'll help you win more games on a nightly basis, but. You could definitely preserve the minutes of a guy like Hayward or Miles. Even though Miles is young, he's been playing. He leads the NBA in minutes played this year, which I did not know until they uh, brought it really? up. Yeah, no, I did not know that until they brought that up on the broadcast. It, might, it was either during the Dallas or the Kings game, but they brought um, uh, the Hornets broadcast, pulled it up, and Miles leads the NBA in minutes played, ju- or just total minutes, not like minutes per game or anything like that. But, I mean, he's I mean, young, that- but you got you got to get that guy some not even like sit the whole game but like let's just play give him a 28 minute night or something like that you know what i mean but i, I that's got to happen eventually
1: yeah that that's ridiculous and I, I, and the thing is Borrego always says you see it time and time again he talks about how he needs to do a better job like giving rest time to especially that haywood and he talks about coming into the season gordon haywood oh we're really going to try and you know Rest him more on back-to-backs and that, et cetera. Like coming into the season so far, Gordon, Gordon Hayward, what over his last, let's say it, over his last five games. And I know they've had a bunch of people that are injured, but he's averaging 38 minutes per game. And I don't think he's had one game off for a back-to-back. Oh, So I think you're right. They, they need to find time to rest both, both miles because his body will break down if he just keeps playing 38 minutes a game. Like he plays so hard and he's so athletic. It's just a matter of time. And they've got to find time to, to rest Hayward. And yeah, I, I agree. We need to cut down some of these minutes. I, I know it's been hard recently because there's been so many people injured. I, I get it. But going forward, once people back, I do think Brego needs to do a better job of sacrificing some of the short-term gain because we just can't have a situation like last year where you reach the play in and you just got half a team left because, you know, they've played themselves so hard throughout the year and they, they've logged so many minutes.
0: Do you want to hear a stat that's even more frightening than Miles being the leader in minutes played? Go on. Gordon Hayward is fifth in the entire NBA in total minutes played. Wow. That's – like, I I love Gordon Hayward. 30-plus-year-old NBA players, like, really can't. Be getting that, With kind, that injury kind of history yeah well. the only other player that's even the only other players that even approach 30 years old on, in this list are yeah. Fred Van Vliet and uh Kevin Durant and obviously Kevin Durant like you're not gonna be like oh he, he you should cut his minutes back a little bit but yeah you know
1: so I mean just by if you cut Miles's minutes to like 32 which is standard starting minutes Hayward to 30 like already you freed up essentially like nine, 10 minutes, which is enough to get another guy in the rotation, especially if you like shave a couple of Ubre here or there, or Mason Plumley, or, or Cody Martins doing 27 minutes per game at the moment. So I, I definitely agree. We need to shave off, maybe going a little bit deep with that rotation, playing it night by night, see who, who's playing well, who's bringing energy. I think I'd be on board with that as well. Um, but I think just because, I, I, I think because of the defensive intensity brings, I, I do want to like JT Thor was the first guy into the rotation during these injuries ahead of James Bucknight. And I know Buck's probably played a little bit better over the last couple of games, but apart from his three point shooting, he's, he's been pretty inefficient on the offensive end. He's only got one assist, I think in his last five games, which is a shame because like in summer league, we saw him really crate and handle the ball crate for others. And, We've not seen too much of that in the NBA. We've not seen that ball creation. And that's something that I want to see a little bit unlocked from Buck. Um, I love his offensive rebounding. I think Sam Pearlie tweeted out the other night that he's got such a good knack for going and getting his own rebound and finishing and sensing when the shot's going to be short. There was actually one three-point shot, I remember, in when he hit six where he he put up the three and he chased the ball down, thinking it was going to be short, and it just went in. And he was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the, I mean, the
0: first thing that he did, and when he got off the bench, and the, when they played uh, against Atlanta, was get like fight for offensive rebounds.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a good rebounding guard, and um, he looks so scrawny. I think because he wears his like shorts high. I'm trying to figure out why he looks so scrawny, but he really does out on the court. He's got a, a kind of a strange looking body type. Um,
0: he's very slender for like, and he, I feel like he doesn't like look 6'4", 6'5", because he's kind of slender, but he definitely, I mean, he's, he, I think when he fills out a little bit, he could be like a, he'll have like, he I feel like he might end up looking like, kind of like what Malik Monk does, like not like jacked, but definitely filled out very explosive guard.
1: I heard the, the comp of like Kenyon Martin the other day for him, for like how he looks and, and kind of plays, which I thought was interesting.
0: That is pretty interesting. I can't, yeah, I kind of see that.
1: I mean, not the shot form, obviously. Yeah. Although I will yeah. say, like, he has, but like, does have this weird. He very much leans back on his threes. It's kind of like you know the, the lead back fade away, kicks his one leg out. Uh, yeah, especially on like catch and shoots, which I understand when you're like a pull up shooter, you need to kind of do that, create some separation. But I, I wish he didn't. Do, I mean, he's been shooting the ball well. I think he's fifty percent over like the last five games, but. I do think long-term, he needs to try and iron out that that lack of balance because that's not going to help him shoot on a consistent basis.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast,
1: lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: we want to move on to the uh, the trade proposal section? I mean, the Hornets have just been, I mean, for lack of a better word, they've been buzzing around the rumor mill for, I mean, basically since that Miles Turner report came out. But now that it's December 15th, players that were signed in the offseason can be legally traded or legally can be <laughs> under NBA rules can be traded. Um, so, I mean, not everybody. There are some players that have. A, anybody that signed an extension it's six months from your extension date if you signed a new contract with a new team it's december 15th that is essentially how it goes so the market is open what, what do we think is going to happen here james
1: well I, I know we touched on miles turner in, in depth last week and i think this week we're going to touch a little bit on yusuf nurkic another guy whose name has been floated out there that that is available for trade him and larry Nance. um so i think we're going to touch on that but also like, i just want to get your thoughts on what, what do we think? Like firstly, Cupcheck, I don't think has made many in-season trades. You had the Brad Wanamaker trade, if you really want to call that a trade last year, where they like, they traded nothing to get Brad Wanamaker to a, an open roster spot. Um, Not made too many in-season trades, I guess. What's your litmus test in this team? Where do you think things are at? Do you think that from what they've seen, they're going to go, you know what, we need to add a big this off season? Are they going to, Remain patient and look towards a draft and free agency to add a big. Um, is the big the biggest position of need? Is there something else that you think they're going to look to try and adjust by trade? What what, what, what What's your kind of state of thinking at the moment? And how has it changed to maybe back in the offseason or at the preseason when you're looking at this? Has anything changed for you at all?
0: Uh, so I, I remember last year I was big on the like the Hornets need wing depth more than they need a center like mm-hmm. bandwagon. That's definitely not true anymore. <laughs> like if they go out to trade, I feel like it's gotta be for a big man. Uh, I mean, you don't have to like make a swing for like one of the better centers on the market or anything. Like you don't have to trade at real assets to get miles Turner or like Christian wood or whoever, or something like that. But I definitely think you've got to fortify the uh, the interior defense not not specifically defense like you don't even really need a guy to get a guy that's going to provide you anything offensively off the bench but because you, you can kind of use Plumley for that now if you're not going to get rid of him and said deal but I mean they they really have they're one of the worst rebounding teams in the league and they're still one of the worst defensive teams in the league it's probably not a coincidence after two years having the same issue but I I don't know how like how committed they are to solving it right now. Cause I, I mean, they, we've I already seen him. that they like last off season, they obviously weren't, they didn't acquire it. Mason Plumley was the biggest, like biggest names, big man signing that they got. And then they drafted a rookie or two rookies really that were pretty raw and can't really start and play big minutes in an NBA playoff game right now. But I mean, with how things are going, the Hornets are going to be potentially in NBA playoff games. They will almost certainly be in play in contention and with, the ability to make themselves a playoff contender. So the next like probably week, maybe till the new year or something is, I, I would imagine that this is when Mitch is being like, all right, this team's like fully healthy. Now I got to get like a good stretch of data here for like until uh, to actually comb over to make these deals that I'm going to make. Cause I would be really surprised if really any NBA team makes a trade like now, just cause of the, yeah. restrictions are all up i probably think it will be in like a month
1: it will so. you're looking at the february trade deadline so unless it's something that's been like long ongoing like ben Simmons but like most teams especially the hornets like still want to figure out exactly where they're at where where yeah. do they fall in the grand scheme of what, what do you think this- do
0: you think that they're like good enough to be uh like a buy now like sell some assets to improve your team for like a miles turner type or would you yeah wait it out, like, another couple weeks and, and go from there in, like, early January or something?
1: So in the preseason media availability with Mitch Kupchak, he was very much open and honest and saying, you know, we don't want to sacrifice the future for, immediate, for, like, immediate gain. We've got to show some self-discipline here and not kind of get too carried away. Um, I think the team I, – I know we've had – with good wing stretches, the team is probably somewhere around not a million miles from where people thought, like good, lower to the east kind of playing team. That's kind of what it's looking like now. So I don't think anything is remarkably changed that changes that um, projection. This is what I think, and I'm curious if you agree. The Hornets are more likely to trade players currently on the roster to upgrade the centre position than I think they are to trade future first-round picks. What definitely. do you think about
0: that? Definitely. Cause uh, I mean, especially cause the, if they're a certain level of, of a quality team this year, I think it's the 18th pick is what their pick is protected through. So yep, they're, they're already uh, con- con- conditionally owing a pick to the Knicks this year. They're mm-hmm. definitely not getting a first from the new Orleans Pelicans. Like <laughs> in the, from the Devonte Graham trade, unfortunately, because the Pelicans That's are currently it. the 15th team in the West and they need to make the playoffs for the Hornets to get that pick. Um, so I would, I agree. They, they would, especially, I mean, cause we've like what we've just been talking about. They, they've, they're more, they're deep, a deeper team than we thought they were. Like there are more guys on this team that can play right now than we had previously believed. And I don't think any of their young players, apart from maybe Vernon Carey, unfortunately have done anything to. Like lose value. Uh, they have that in terms of like trade value and young assets. The Hornets probably have the most, like the the largest collection of young players with trade value, maybe in like the entire league.
1: I agree. I think they've got a lot of different options, and they've got loads of different ways to get to a deal, which is great. It gives them a lot of flexibility, and I I think I mean because of that traded pick, because it's got those protections on it to New York it actually means that even though we've only traded this year's pick conditionally, we can't trade another pick, I think, until two years after. So the first first first-round pick we could trade is actually 2024. So that that limits your flexibility somewhat. Mm -hmm. But I also think this team has done such a good job drafting people that that Mitch Kupchuk doesn't want to be getting rid of all the first-round picks. Not at this stage. I think that's something that you do, you know, when you are a contender – and you are, you know, trying to go from top four to top two. That's when mm. you start trading away all your firsts and everything like that. And the other big factor here is, like I said, it's a deep team, but it's also going to get expensive pretty soon, right? Mars Bridges is in line now to get a max contract extension. If he keeps playing like this the rest of the season. Um, if he got injured today for the whole year, I think you'd still probably like, there'll be teams out there willing to offer Miles the max, you know? Yeah. Or at least like the,
0: years. the John's con- John Collins contract, like five yeah. years or at least one, something which is whatever. close to it. Yeah.
1: So with that in mind, you've got guys like PJ Washington. He's got two years left in his rookie contract. He's going to have to get paid soon. Uh, the mother ball, you don't really have to worry too much about yet, but you got Cody Martin as a free agent this offseason. Jalen McDaniels is a free agent the summer after as is Nick Richards. So there's, A lot like Cody Martin, he's going to get in line for a paycheck this (laughs) offseason. I mean, just think tell me a team that couldn't use Cody Martin right now, like defends, pass, just all around good player, plays winning basketball. I think he could get mid level, full mid level exception money. Oh, easily,
0: easily approaching like a 10 to 12 million a year. If he keeps this up, like easily. Yeah, if he keeps this up,
1: I agree. You're looking at eight to 12 million per year. Perfect, perfect. On a bench piece so with that I think one you're not thinking to developing that's something I think this team will want to try and do even when they are contending but also you're freeing up that cap sheet so if it is the PJ Washington whatever you're putting together here I think you need to try and think about how can we try and manage it financially especially with that Terry Rosier extension kicking in you're going to have Terry Hayward Miles all getting paid over 20 million per year like next season. So you need to start trying to make some moves with that. And that's why when you look at all the, the trade chatter around the Hornets, PJ Washington is the central piece because he's a bench player but is showing the ability to start. He's going to get paid in 2 years but you know he's probably never going to start for the Charlotte Hornets because Miles Bridges has locked that down and even though he is useful at center he's not good enough defensively. We've got two years of data now of him playing center. Like this team is never going to be a good defensive team with, with PJ at center. He can do it, but it's just not going to give us the defense rewards that we're looking for to be that, that top, top six East team.
0: All right. What do we want to roll into next?
1: Um, I don't really, let's talk about Nurkic.
0: All right. Let's talk about Yusuf Nurkic. Do you have any, Uh, trade proposals prepared for Yusuf Nurkic or do you have or do you have like a like a trade outlook on whether or not you'd want the Hornets to be interested in him
1: this year I so I've tried to play around with it I tweeted one out the other day which if you go back on my Twitter timeline you'll be able to find um which is a four-teamer which got really I'm not even going to try and explain on the podcast because when you get to four-teamer like by the time you get to the third team you've already forgotten like what the first team was I was talking about but if people want to go and have fun, like, I got carried away. It was a, a Kings, Blazers, Hornets. I do not even know the other team that was involved, the Pistons. Okay. I think Jeremy Grant ended up in Portland. Nurkic ended up in Charlotte. Detroit got, like, PJ Washington, Marvin Bagley. And, I, you see, I forgot another team already. Um,
0: yeah, but a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, see, I don't, I don't remember either. Yeah, that was the, the other team.
1: The other team involved got someone else essentially. Uh, I think there was the Kings. The Kings got Robert oh, Covington. Yeah. Like that was it, something like that. The, I think the biggest problem with any Nurkic trade, who's it's been rumored, to be, is that the Blazers apparently want to upgrade. They don't want young players or picks. They're not rebuilding here. They want to get better. And I find it hard to put together any package where the Hornets can make a trade offer to the Blazers that that makes the Blazers a better team. Um, and that that's where I think the big impasse is. So I think any trade in Portland, I mean, unless, like, you're going to hate this, but it just works financially. Gordon Hayward for Covington and Nurkic. Okay. Yeah. Now, I don't think Portland do that because, like, who the hell are they playing centre? Larry Nance, Cody Zeller? Okay. I don't know if Charlotte do that because... You know Co- Covington, both both of them on expiring contracts. They could leave for nothing, and, and you're screwed. So, um, I I think the most likely is a three-team option where Nurkic goes to Charlotte. Charlotte passes on a young player to a team, and then that team passes on something to Portland, which would be a value for Nurkic. I think that's the kind of most likely trade you're looking for. But I mean, what do, you, what do you think of Nurkic as an option? Like, especially compared to Miles Turner, probably the two biggest names out on the market at the moment. Now, a little bit different. Nurkic is 12 million per year with one year left in his contract. It expires this summer. Be an unrestricted free agent. Um, and you're only going to be able to sign Nurkic this summer if he's already on your roster because you have his bird rights. Um, we will not have cap space to sign Nurkic in summer. So it's not just one of those, like, why give up stuff now when we can... Sign him as a free agent. Unless you make significant moves to create cap space, you aren't signing Nurkic as a free agent. So you'd have to trade for him now, and then pay him this summer. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on Nurkic, and what are your thoughts of him kind of compared to, to Miles Turner?
0: I mean, compare directly comparing Miles Turner. Miles is probably the better player. I'd, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Nurkic though. I've always kind of liked his game. He's pretty. He's like a rugged big man with finesse as well. Like he can bang down low, but he can, he's a pretty good passer from the elbows and stuff too. Not a shooter. Uh, also has been a pretty poor finisher at the rim throughout his career. He's never uh, topped the 33rd percentile or 63%. But this year he's shooting 68% at the rim. So I don't know if that's just like a hot start to begin the year or something. Uh, maybe it just has to do with like the lineups that are being put around him in Portland. But I mean, if that is something he sustains, that would really help the Hornets' offense. Having somebody that is a pretty much a seventy percent finisher uh, on the interior, because that's—I mean—Mason Plumlee has always been pretty good at that, but that's kind of been one thing that has dropped off a little bit for him this year with the Hornets. He, uh, he,
1: rich, rich man's Mason Plumlee.
0: Mason's yeah, nice. basically, yeah. Ba- honestly, he really is. Yeah, because he's a really good rebounder too, and that—that's really another thing rebounder. that we thought Mason would bring that hasn't or hasn't quite lived up to his yeah. uh, like standard for the uh, early parts of his career. But yeah. and he's, he's also a very good passer. That's actually a pretty, that's a pretty good comparison. He's like a, he is a rich man's Mason Plumley because he's also making $4 million more than Mason. So, I mean, he, it, I don't know what young players you would necessarily be uh, like eager to part with for Nurkic for basically half of a season, but you could just put Plumley and like a young player and like a second or something in a deal. And I can't, I, I don't think Portland would be overly enthused about it, but if they don't get any better offers, I think they might take it just for, you know, the young player and the pick asset or something that you'd be getting, but he does have a fairly workable salary, but it's kind of just only matches up with Plumlee and Ubre, which are kind of, cause I mean, I don't, and I don't think the Hornets would give up Ubre for a center.
1: Or Plumlee and uh pj washington yeah no i
0: yeah like i i don't think that that i don't think the hornets would do i don't know if the blazers would even do that necessarily because that like you said they're trying to get better that probably doesn't make their team better i don't i definitely don't think the Hornets would do that though
1: yeah it it's a difficult one i think the other risk that you inherit with with nurkic is that he he leaves for nothing in the summer Mm -hmm. so do do you really want to start trading away like a pj or whatever or whoever else on the roster someone somebody who can leave like you need to have a wink, wink, nudge, nudge little, you know, you're going to resign here agreement, which you normally get that. Maybe it's some of the big markets where someone's going to like a contender and that yeah. sometimes happens. It, it rarely happens in a team like Charlotte um, where where there's that kind of understanding with an agent and a player. Um,
0: I think if they trade for Nurkic, they've definitely like decided what you said earlier is that like they're ready to just make the leap from good East team to like really good East team. I don't think that that would be like the correct decision to make necessarily, but they, they would basically have to make that decision to be like, we're going to basically rent this player. That's like, not young. He's not an all-star. He's just a flat out good basketball player. And hopefully he can bring us to like the next level. I don't like la- I don't necessarily think that would be a good idea, but I feel like that's the mindset you have to have.
1: And it's worth keeping in mind the Portland Trailblazers have defense stinks. Mm-hmm. Like, and it is better when the Nurkish is on the floor. His on-off numbers have been good as all his years in Portland. You know, they've always been a better defensive team when he's on the floor. And it's not like normally the starting unit in Portland has actually been okay defensively, and it's the, the second unit, which has just been like one of the worst second units in, in NBA basketball. But he's not gonna, he's not a like a a floor raiser. It's not like oh, you've got Nurkic. You will now never be a a bottom ten defense like it is with some guys with Gobert and Embiid. And, and uh, I mean, I don't even say Embiid anymore. He's not a defensive player he used to be. That's for sure. Um, but but with some of the guys out there, Draymond, Gobert, like I don't think Nurkic is that. And so that that's another thing to keep in mind. He's 27 years old, so he's younger than Plumlee, so he fits probably the timeline a little bit better. But has had some pretty serious injuries during his time in Portland. Has only averaged 23 minutes per game over his career, like in recent years, has never has never logged more than like 30 minutes per game in any season, apart from one where he played eight games. So I think there's some like durability, conditioning concerns, injury concerns, more so than with Miles Turner. But I actually like if I had to pick which player I'd rather have, a, I might have Nurkic, especially for this yeah. roster, just because I know we talked last week about the decision-making process four miles Turner and him wanting to do more. And like, does he have the basketball IQ? I, I think Nurkic has got a much better version of that. He just can't shoot. Um, but I don't think this team with all the shooting they've got, I do not I don't necessarily think that they need that spacing from the five and look, It'd be great to have, but I think the other the rebounding that comes with it would be a little bit better. The offensive decision-making, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be putting your offense in mud. I think I'd edge Nurkic, but I also understand there's the risk there in terms of contract health um which you know just make him a more high risky player to acquire and i don't think he's going to be you're not going to trade significantly less than you would for turner i don't think
0: no probably not like a lot less anyway i mean just not necessarily because of like how talented each player is but just the mindset of each organization like portland cannot afford to trade their third best player for a player that their in return is also probably not going to be their third best player. Like they just have to make like an equal replacement in that regard. Where Indiana, like they really they don't necessarily have to do that. So that does make it easier. Nurkic's definitely not a shooter, but I was just looking at his total um, three point attempts. Would you have guessed that he's taken 104 in his NBA career? I would not have guessed that. He took 20. He's taken 22 this season. He's five for 22 this season. I watch a fair amount of Blazers games, like full disclosure. I'm a weird dude. and I I like to stay up late and watch teams that don't play defense, but he's like, I I can't remember him taking like more than two and they're not like in rhythm. They're just kind of like, Oh, end of the shot clock. Someone's got to throw it up. Nurkic happens to be the one with the ball. I literally cannot picture what it looks like for him to spot up on the three-point line and take a jump shot, where you, where you can with most players because they've at least taken them throughout their career, but he is definitely not one of them. The 104 threes over uh, uh, nine seasons was definitely more than I would have guessed. He also has a triple-double under his belt, too, which I did not know. So maybe we got to get him in town. We, we a little bit a little bit underrated here. We'll unlock his floor spacing. He can start stuffing the box store. We'll get back to business
1: baby Jokic,
0: <laughs> yes there we
1: yeah there we, who um
0: who Rich is man's the,
1: mason Plumley or baby Jokic? one yeah. or the other
0: <laughs> Yeah, which nickname would you would you rather have i I, th- I think i i lean pretty pretty significantly in one direction but yeah i mean what what else do we got here for the rest of this episode are we gonna i, I know we were planning on a little bit of a shorter one today but do we have anything any any parting words for our listeners today i don't think so i, I just
1: think the the Hornets' home road split. I mean, coming up, they've got they're on this road trip. The last road trip that they went on, the West Coast one, I think they went one and five. Yep. And if you look at the NBA standings right now, uh, the Hornets are, are playing really good basketball at home, and they're not playing good away. So they're, they're eight and four at home and seven and ten on the road. Um, I'd be just. I just hope they don't go on like a pre-Christmas slide here on this road trip. That Dallas game with Luca being out. Everyone feels it's an opportunity and you, you lay a bit of an egg there um, and they got some more difficult games to come in up, Utah, Phoenix, uh, Portland, have got Dame back. Um, so there's going to be some tricky games. I just hope if they can go like 500 on this road trip, the the schedule eases up in the second half of the year. There's more home games. People should be back healthy. They just got to keep their head above water in and around 500 is, is good for right now. Um and it also means more home games. It's easy for me to watch them. Yep. <laughs> I, I watch, I'm not going to lie, right? I, I watched the uh, Dallas game the next morning. I put it on. We went down 10 to nothing. And I thought, oh, I don't have a good feeling about this. So I fast forwarded to halftime. I saw we were down by like 25 points. And I was like, oh, God, all right, okay. And I ended up watching the whole of the second half. And they just never made any headway whatsoever. Um, that
0: had to have been a tough one to watch, like knowing it's not live and being like, this game is over and both in real life and while i'm watching it at you know eight minutes left in the third quarter or something well that's why
1: i I don't i never check the scores when i watch the morning because oh that
0: makes sense you would have if i know if i know
1: they lose by like 25 i just find it really hard to sit there and and watch it and but i know i need to so i never look at the scores and i watch it but like that day particularly i I'd got my work schedule confused. So I actually only had an hour. So I was like, oh, I need to, I'm not gonna be able to watch the whole thing anyway. Let's just fast forward to half time. But um I, I don't think I missed much on that one.
0: No, no, I, I don't. I don't think you did. That was that was an okay day to, you know, go to bed early, have some work to do and whatnot. But yeah, this this road trip. I mean, once this road trip is over, I think we as like, as fans and watcher, like get people that watch every Hornets games or viewers, watchers, that was incredible from someone that records a podcast multiple times a week. But anyway, I think we're going to notice that, like, we're just going to hear Eric and Dell at home and see the Hornets court a lot more than we have been in the first, uh, like, one-third, 40% of the season or so. Like, they've had – this is their – they're going to be on a six-game road trip. They already had a five-game road trip. There are some teams that haven't taken a road trip of that length yet, uh, like the Hornets lead the team – or lead the league in road games. It's going to start calming down pretty quickly here after December 23rd when they play the Nuggets. So that is definitely a good thing. I'm looking forward to them. Yeah. Not just being constantly on the road all the time.
1: And, and the last thing I want to do is just give a shout out to Gordon Hayward for playing point guard for the last five games. And <laughs> yeah. I know you asked me last time, do you think Gordon Hayward's played well? And I was like, no, I don't think he has. Over, like, the last stretch, he's been shooting really poorly. His shooting still isn't good. I think it's, like, 30 percent from three, no, it, it has definitely from the off. field. But I, I think that's, one, due to the minutes he's playing and just the offensive load he's playing and teams being able to load up on him because there's less, less other offensive options. But, like, he's made some, like, just – his passing game has been – taken major jump over the last few weeks. And, like, the team – been putting up good points and he's basically playing to factor point guard at the end of games and has managed to get the, those two wins so i just want to give a shout out to gordon because no one catches more fact than gordon hayward um and when when he's doing well and he's getting it out for the team like people just don't really give him recognition so i just wanted to do that and i know you especially will appreciate it
0: i'm, I'm about to shed a tear right now this is so beautiful because <laughs> i was thinking that he's been playing really well and he's been doesn't he uh, like he just doesn't get as much credit for it. It's because he gets paid so much, and like I think people are just scared that when he does bad, then his jersey's gonna show up the next game with Batum on the back or something like that, and he's just never gonna see the floor again. But it's not gonna happen. Gordon's an excellent basketball player, and he, he's showing us why right now when he could be just be like, man, I'm gas. I've played forty minutes the last four games in a row. I'm older than the rest of these guys. Like I've got a lower body injury history. Like I need some time off here. That is not what he has done. He has gone harder than he has at any point in the season. Like he's had the ball in his hands the entire time. He's playing really good defense. Uh, like the shooting has fallen off a little bit, but he leaves everything short. So I feel like you just, I mean, he said that one time where he was like, I'm, I'm, everything comes up short. I don't really know why it's is happening. Uh, he probably is just a little bit tired and doesn't want to say that because he's a competitor. Totally get that. This is what this is why I'm really excited for the schedule to lighten up too. Is like guys like Gordon, Miles. We already talked about Kelly Oubre and Cody Martin both eclipsed 40 minutes in pretty much all of those uh, like half the roster COVID games. Like these guys have been busting their balls. Like they only won two games, but they they've earned a rest and just some time to sit, go to practice, go sit at home for the rest of the day, go to practice, go sit at home. Like instead of having to get on a plane and and stuff like that. So. Definitely looking forward to it. It It's been a fun stretch, even though half the team was gone, which for a lot of teams in the NBA wouldn't be the case. Like if you're like a Minnesota Timberwolves fan and half your team goes in COVID protocols, it's probably not as fun, but the Hornets have a pretty good thing going here. So good time.
1: All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us. Um, Thanks for listening. Um, You will hear from me some point in January And I hope everyone has a a good Christmas and Hornets can get some wins for this holiday period.
0: All right. See you guys. Have a good one.